Well, good morning. If I've never met you before, my name is Ronnie Rothy. I'm the lead pastor of Relevant Community Church. It is so, so good to be with you this morning. Hey, before we jump into the sermon, uh, I want to celebrate a few things. If, if this is your first time, last week we wrapped up one of the most exciting years here at Relevant. We call it Be Rich. And over the last few weeks, we didn't talk about how to get more rich. That's what most people talk about. Instead, we talked about how to be rich. See, according to the writers of the New Testament, as followers of Christ, we're called to be rich. And the way to be rich is to give generously, serve sacrificially, and love extravagantly. And that's what we, exactly what we do through our annual Be Rich initiative. Uh, once a year, we practice being good at being rich together by combining all of our resources to give, serve, and love in Jesus' name without expecting anything in return. And the reason that we do this once a year together is because as we practice being rich during this season together... You have a much better chance of being rich in how you give, serve, and love the rest of the year. And the more that happens, the more you'll see and experience the transforming work that God can and wants to do in you and in your relationships and in us as a, as a church and in our community and in people's lives on the other side of the world. Well, to kick off our Be Rich season three weeks ago, we talked about the first way to be rich. We talked about the word give. And then we all had the opportunity to give generously to what we call the Be Rich offering. If, if you're new, this is an offering we take once a year that we challenge 100% of us to give to. And our promise is we're giving 100% of it away to our amazing nonprofit partners. Well, this year we were praying for more than ever uh, more than ever to be given to the Be Rich offering because we want to help our partners make a bigger impact than ever before in 2022. And God answered those prayers. Last week we celebrated that 400 $49,684 was given to the Be Rich offering 2 weeks ago. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. I mean, that's more than what was given to Relevant over the last three months on one day, and we are giving it all away. And listen, this didn't happen because a few people gave some big gifts. It only happened because a majority of us chose to respond to what Jesus was inviting us to do, and we gave generously. So Relevant, I am so proud of you. This is going to be a game changer for our partners and a life changer for the people they serve in 2024. Two weeks ago, we talked about the second way to be rich, which is to serve sacrificially. And then we all had the opportunity to put that into practice and serve last weekend at our annual serve day. And if you're new, this is the one day every year where we all together as a church serve our community. We serve people in our community. We serve some of our local nonprofit partners. We serve some Korean refugees in, in Jesus' name. Serve day 2023 was such a great day. And here is a little glimpse of some of what we get did. Go ahead and take a look. My name is Megan Bellick and I am the school adoption liaison through Relevant at Blue Sage Elementary here. Um, it's just very important that the students and staff that we serve in our community have a clean environment. Um, it's a simple way to serve, but it means a lot to the students and staff. It's just amazing that the community um, of Relevant is willing to come out and help support our wonderful Elfren schools that we have. We are here today working on 52 baskets that we are going to be taking to families in Elkhorn that were given to us by the high schools and middle schools for families that might be in need in our area. So we're working with all those schools to identify families and then working with the people here today to put baskets together and then we're going to deliver them. We're out here in King Lake on serve day. 
cleaning out gardens, we're chopping down trees, we're splitting firewood, we're delivering firewood. It's five years since the floods. And so being able to continue to come out here and realizing people are saying, you guys are always showing up. You guys are always, you haven't given up on us. For the Christian Outreach Program of Elkhorn, we serve far west Douglas County uh, with our pantry, food and clothing pantry here, and we offer rent and utility assistance. So being the hands and feet of Christ, we're able to reach our neighbors that are in need and create a welcoming atmosphere to those, and we're so thankful that Relevant chooses to support COPE. So we are doing our 42nd home makeover for a single Korean mom with four children. She fled from very abusive situation, came to this apartment to start over and to have a place of refuge. All of her children have been sleeping on the floor. They have literally zero furniture. And so what we are doing today in partnership with Relevant is bringing the family furniture that's been purchased online. Everything's new. We're going to totally outfit their house. It's going to be beautiful and just a really great place for them to start over. Survey 2023, baby! Hey, I am so proud of the hundreds of you who chose to be rich by serving last weekend and communicating to our community that we are for them and so is God. Even though our annual Be Rich season has come to a close, choosing to be rich in how we give, serve, and love has not. Over the last few weeks, we saw that what, what, what God can do, do when we choose to give generously, serve sacrificially, and love extravagantly. Now, now relevant, I challenge you to be rich every day, all year long, so that we can see and experience the transforming work that God wants to do in you, in your relationships, in our church, in our community, and in people's lives on the other side of the world. Dear Lord, thank you for... What you did over the last couple weeks, um, we are just so grateful that we get to be a part of it. Uh, thank you for moving. Uh, thank you for stirring hearts. Um, Lord, I pray that um, now that this season has come to a close, every day for the rest of the year, we choose to be rich. Lord, and through it, God, I pray you do a transforming work in us individually, in us as a church, in our community. I pray people come to know you in awesome ways over the next year because of the choices that we're making to give generously to serve sacrificially, and to love extravagantly every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Thanksgiving was a couple days ago, and uh, with Thanksgiving just being a few days ago, I have a couple questions for you. My first question is, did you end up in a food coma? Uh, if you, right, real quick, raise your hand if you ate so much food you ended up in a food coma on a couch. That's well done. That's American right there. That is American right there. Uh, the second question is not what we normally ask on Thanksgiving. What, 
we normally ask at or around this time of year is, what are you grateful for? What are you grateful for? And it's a great question to ask and answer, but I want to ask something that's much more personal and something that's much more impactful. And that question is, are you a grateful or ungrateful person? Now, none of us, none of us would admit that we're ungrateful, even if we think we might be ungrateful, because none of us think positively about ungrateful people. Most of us, if not all of us, would claim to be a grateful person, because if we're being honest, we know that we have so much to be grateful for, and we probably feel grateful for a lot. However, and this is so weird, most of us have been accused of being ungrateful at some point. I mean, have you ever been accused of being ungrateful? Don't raise your hand of that. Let me ask, have you ever been 13? Well, then you've been accused of being ungrateful. I mean, it's, isn't it so weird that none of us would claim that we're ungrateful, but that many of us have been accused of being ungrateful? And when we're accused of it, what do we do? We become all defensive. We're like, I'm not ungrateful. Just become all defensive because we feel grateful. But here's the reality. This is the reality that some of us just need to accept. And that is, some of us are being ungrateful. I mean, we feel grateful, so we claim to be grateful. But in reality, some of us are actually ungrateful because we're acting that way. And here's why. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude whether you mean it to or not. The reason that some of us have been accused of being ungrateful is not because we don't feel grateful. It's because we haven't expressed it. And the reason that some of us are actually being ungrateful, once again, is not because we don't feel grateful, but because we haven't expressed it. Gratitude, it's more than an attitude. Gratitude is more than a feeling. Gratitude is an action. Listen, it's not enough just to feel grateful. We have to express it. And until gratitude is expressed, it's actually in gratitude. And I want to look at a story from the life of Jesus in, Luke, in, Luke, in the uh, uh, New Testament book of Luke, chapter 17, to show this. But before we do, the reason that this is such a big deal and the reason I'm taking a whole Sunday to talk about it is because unexpressed gratitude impacts more than you can possibly imagine. Unexpressed gratitude impacts our relationships. A few things sting in a relationship like unexpressed gratitude. I mean, when someone does something for you, they hire you, they give you something, uh, they, they raise you. They do something for you at work. When someone does something for you, they naturally expect, and in some cases deserve, gratitude to come back their way. And when it doesn't, it stings them and it hurts the relationship. Gratitude and ingratitude impact the health of our relationships, the health of our marriages, the health of our friendships. For some of us, the application of this simple message may be the thing that reopens a relationship that has been closed down. Furthermore, uh, um, unexpressed gratitude impacts you. It impacts the health of your heart, the health of your mind, the health of your emotions, the health of your soul. And for some of you, the application of this simple message may be the thing that gets, gets you out of your you know, self-centered, entitled rut that you've been stuck in, stuck in. Furthermore, unexpressed gratitude, it impacts our relationship with God. It impacts how we view God, relate to God, and in many senses, how we experience God's presence because, as we're going to see in just a second, it impacts how God relates 
and interacts with us. For some of us, the application of this simple message may be the thing that reopens your heart to God and maybe even your experience of God. In Luke 17, Jesus asked a question that gets to the heart of this issue and this tension of gratitude and ingratitude. A question that should make us all reassess our answer to the question, am I a grateful or am I an ungrateful person? So here's how the story goes. Now, in, uh, on his way to Jerusalem, G- Jesus traveled along uh, the border between Samaria and Galilee. So Jesus was traveling south from the region of Galilee to the city of Jerusalem, and between was an area known as Samaria. And in Samaria were Samaritans. Now, Jews, which Jesus and his disciples were, did not like Samaritans. Jews viewed, first century Jews viewed Samaritans as like half-breed, like they weren't fully Jewish, but they were kind of Jewish. They were idolaters to them, like they had kind of this spin-off religion of Judaism. They were looked at as unclean and unfit to be in God's presence. So because of that, you can imagine there was a lot of conflict between Jews and Samaritans. Now, most Jews, because of that, when they were traveling north to south or south to north, they would go around Samaria so they didn't have to interact with Samaritans. So the fact that Jesus was traveling through Samaria was actually very surprising to everyone because Jesus wasn't acting like a good Jew. The story goes on. As he, Jesus, was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. Now, to understand the magnitude of this story, you need to have an understanding of leprosy. Leprosy was a skin disease. And leprosy, it's hard for us to understand because we've never seen it before, but leprosy, it damaged the nerves. You lost your feelings in your toes and your fingers. It caused extremely gross and painful sores all over your body. People who had leprosy often lost limbs. Their limbs would just fall off. Like, so leprosy, it no longer exists, so it's hard for us to fully grasp what it is or how people viewed it. But in the first century, people were scared to death of it because there was no cure for it. it. It was passed from person to person, but it wasn't quite as contagious as they thought, but they were terrified of it, so terrified that people who had it were made as outcasts, and they had to go live in colonies. They were called leper They weren't really called colonies, but as they were, they were leper colonies. Essentially, they were a prison with no walls. You, people with leprosy had to go live there, away from everyone else, away from society. They were as outcasts. You couldn't have physical contact with people, and they were looked at as religious outcasts as well. You could not go into the Jewish temple if you had leprosy because that, it, leprosy was thought to be a sign of God's disfavor and God's punishment on you. Jewish law also required that if you had leprosy, you had to warn anybody who was in sight that you had it. You had to have, wear clothes all over your body, have a bell, ring the bell, and as anyone was in sight, you had to yell, unclean, unclean. So you were a complete outcast. So here are 10 men with leprosy, and they stood at a distance. They stood at a distance outside the village because they were not allowed to go into the village. And as they stood there, they saw Jesus approaching. And at this point in Jesus' life and in Jesus' ministry, he had already performed many miracles and he's already healed many people. Now, these guys didn't necessarily believe that Jesus was the Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah, but they'd heard about Jesus. They'd heard that he had performed miracles and that he had healed people, blind people, lame people. He brought people back to life. And these guys are thinking, we've tried everything to cure this leprosy. We've tried Neosporin. We've tried all the essential oils. The keto diet didn't work. I mean, we've even prayed. They're thinking, maybe this guy, 
Maybe this guy can heal us. So from a distance, they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. From a distance, they beg for Jesus to heal them. Now, when you read the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the document, the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, you'll notice that whenever Jesus chose to heal someone, he usually would go over to the person, lay hands on them, but this time, Jesus did something very unusual. This time, instead of going over to them, he yelled back at them. He yelled, when he, when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And then Jesus just goes into the village, seemingly dismissing these guys. Now, there are some really cool things going on in this story that they knew that you may not know. First, when Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest, here's what, what that meant. According to the Mosaic law, which is the 600 plus laws and commands that God gave the Hebrew people who became known as the Israelites, who became known as the Jews, they're all outlined in the Hebrew scriptures that we now call the Old Testament. According to the Mosaic law, once a person got well from a disease or sickness, they had to go to a Jewish priest to be given a clean bill of health. Only after they went to a Jewish priest and they were declared uh, that, that they were well, and I don't know how the Jewish priest did it, he was like, ah, you're good, go. Only, at, only then could they re-enter society. The problem here when Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priest, was that these guys weren't cured. They still had leprosy. The other thing going on in this story is we don't know where the closest Jewish priest was. We don't know if the closest one was in Jerusalem, if it was a long journey. We don't know if it was going to take them an hour or two days to get to where the closest, closest Jewish priest was. And I have a feeling, actually, the closest, closest priest was further than we think because of what happened later in the story. But the other thing going on in this story is that the only way that these ten guys would commit themselves to go on a journey is if they were convinced that something was up with Jesus. The only way they would go is if they believed somehow from now to there, from now until we get to that Jewish priest, something is going to happen. To actually go on this journey before they were actually healed required faith that Jesus could heal them with just his words from a distance. And listen, these guys had already tried everything. They knew Jesus had healed other people, so they're thinking, what do we have to lose? What do we have to lose? So they started on their journey toward the nearest Jewish priest. And check this out. As they went, they were cleansed. Now, we don't know how long until they realized they were healed. We don't know if it was an hour. We don't know if it was later that day. We don't know if they woke up the next morning and realized it. All we know is that Jesus went into the village. They went on a journey. And at some point along the way, they realized that they had been cleansed. They realized that they had been healed. And this is where the story begins to, to, begins to intersect with gratitude and ingratitude. Verse 15. One of them, one of them, just one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. Ten of them went on a journey to show themselves to the Jewish priest. Ten of them at some point realized that they were healed. And at that point, nine of them took off running to the nearest Jewish priest to get a clean bill of health that they, were, they could re-enter society and see their families again. But only one of them turned back around and came back to Jesus. 
Ten of them probably felt grateful, but only one of them came back to praise God by expressing his gratitude to Jesus. And he went back to the village where Jesus was at. He found him. And verse 16, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Now, for some reason, Luke, who documented all of this, wanted us to know that this one, that this one was a Samaritan. We don't know if the other nine were Jews. We don't know if the other nine were Samaritans. All we know is that the only one who came back was a Samaritan. And as a Samaritan, he more than likely didn't feel like he deserved for God to heal, the, to heal him. If the, if the other nine were Jews, and we don't know, but if they were, maybe, maybe the reason they didn't come back is because as God's chosen people, they felt entitled for God to heal them. And I'm going to come back to this in just a second because it's so important. Feeling like we deserve something kills gratitude. Essentially, this one comes back. This one comes back, and he essentially, what he did was he went back to express his gratitude to the one who gave him something he did not deserve. He knew he got his life back. He's grateful. And he also knew unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. So he went back to thank the one who made the healing that he didn't deserve possible. Listen, this is a hard truth. This, you've got to, this is such a hard truth to grasp, but you've got to grasp this truth. You deserve nothing. You deserve nothing. All throughout my kid's life, I've asked them repeatedly, what do you deserve? And they know the answer is, we deserve nothing. Over and over and over we've done this. And I've drilled it into their heads that they deserve nothing. And I want it drilled into their head and drilled into my head and drilled into your head. Because the sooner they grasp it and I grasp it and you grasp it, it changes our lives and it makes our lives better. You deserve nothing. Well, that's not completely true. According to Jesus, we do deserve something. And what we deserve is death. Because of our violation of sin against Holy Creator God. That's what we deserve. You and I deserve nothing. Which means all of us have been given things we don't deserve. No matter who you are and how talented you are, how smart you are, how pretty you are, or how educated you are, or the color of your skin, or how you were raised. No matter who you are, all of us have been given things we don't deserve by other people. And all of us have been offered something by God we definitely don't deserve through Jesus' death and resurrection. We've been offered salvation from the penalty of our sin. We've been offered forgiveness for our violation of sin against Holy Creator God. We've been, we've been offered a reconciled relationship with Holy Creator God in this life and the next. We've been offered eternal lives, and we don't deserve it, but God offered it to you and me anyway because he loves you and all we have to do to receive it is put our faith in Jesus by asking him to be the forgiver of our sins, our savior and the leader of our lives declaring, Jesus, I want to follow you as my Lord. Listen, and if you've never done that, if you've never put your faith in Jesus by asking him to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life and, there's some, and something stirs in you today, do that today. Before we walk out, I'm going to give you an opportunity 
to do that today and to accept the forgiveness and the grace and the salvation that Jesus has freely offered to you that you do not deserve. Only one of the ten healed leopards went back to thank the one who made the healing that none of them deserved possible. And then Jesus asked a question that takes us to the center of this tension between gratitude and ingratitude. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Now Jesus asked that rhetorically because he knew all ten were cleansed. And then he asks the question. Where are the other nine? (laughs) It's as if Jesus is saying, there's something missing here. There's something wrong with this picture. There's something incomplete. There's something unfinished with the other nine. And listen, we've all experienced this tension before. And the first time we experienced this tension were as children on our birthday. We get our family and our friends, and we have a birthday party. They come over, everyone would bring a present. We got the present stacked up, and it'd be present time. And everyone would come and sit around you as you're ready to open presents. You grab the first present, and you rip it open, and you're like, yeah, got a present. You go throw it to the side and grab the second present. And before you open that second present, your mom looks at you and says, what do you say? Thank you. Every parent in that moment knows until gratitude is expressed, there's something missing. There's something incomplete. There's something unfinished. Listen, we know this is a big deal when we give something to a kid they don't deserve, but we can easily begin to miss this when we receive something that we don't deserve. It's easy to feel grateful and keep moving forward without expressing it. And when we do, something is incomplete. Something is unfinished. Jesus goes on. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? See, we read this story, and our immediate conclusion is that, man, these guys are just a bunch of ungrateful dudes. Those nine are so ungrateful. They got their life back. They've been praying to be healed. They get to see their family now. They got, they got everything back, and they just went on with their lives. Those ungrateful, they're so ungrateful. But if we track these nine guys down, and if we ask if they were grateful for what Jesus did for them, I'm sure they'd say, yes, we're grateful. As I said before, I'm sure they felt grateful. But the problem with the other nine was this. They felt it, but didn't express it. They just moved on with life. And is that a big deal? Well, Jesus thought so. He goes, where's the other nine? Where's the other nine? Something is missing. Something is complete. Something is unfinished. And then Jesus closed with a remarkable and powerful statement that we should not overlook. Then he said to him, to the one who came back to express his gratitude, rise and go. Your faith. Your faith that you exhibited when you went on that journey and your faith that brought you back to me has made you well. Which doesn't seem to make sense. Because he was already healed of his leprosy at that point. See what you got to know right right here? Jesus isn't talking about his physical body here. All ten of them experienced something they didn't deserve. All ten of them were physically healed. But only one of them experienced something far greater than all that. Only one experienced something that didn't just affect his body, but his soul. 
Only one experienced something that didn't just affect him physically, but affected him eternally. Only one of them experienced something that just didn't affect this life, but affected the one to come. And the only one who did was the one who chose to come back to express his gratitude to the one who gave him what he knew he did not deserve. That brings us back to this simple but powerful statement I hope you remember. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. According to Jesus, expressing gratitude is a really big deal. It's a big deal because neither gratitude nor ingratitude are ends in of themselves. It's a big deal because gratitude and ingratitude impact more than we can possibly imagine. Gratitude and ingratitude impacts our perspective. Numerous studies show that expressing gratitude makes us happier people and healthier people. People who express gratitude feel more optimistic, they feel more positive about their lives than people who don't. Furthermore, people who express gratitude have reduced feelings of anxiety and reduced feelings of depression. Why? Because gratitude is a perspective changer. Listen, we've all had bad things happen to us. We all will have things happen to us. We all wish we had more and different and better. We all feel like we deserve more and different and better. Ingratitude keeps us focused on what we don't have and all the bad in our lives. And as a result, we come consumed with ourselves. We come consumed with what we think we deserve. We come consumed with what we wish was different. And if that doesn't lead to anxiety and if that doesn't lead to depression, I don't know what does. Gratitude transforms our perspective. It opens our eyes to the good in our lives that we don't deserve, to, to what, we, don't ha- to, to what we, we do have that we don't deserve, to what God has graciously given us that we don't deserve. And the more we become consumed with that, the more mentally and emotionally and spiritually healthy we become. Gratitude is a perspective changer that literally becomes a life changer. Furthermore, gratitude and ingratitude uh, impacts our relationships. You've got to know this. Our level of gratitude or ingratitude is currently impacting all all of your relationships, both positively and negatively, because of the gaps they create. Ingratitude opens relational gaps. Gratitude closes them. Ingratitude communicates, I deserve that. I deserve that. I deserve that. And that selfishness, that self-centeredness, that sense of entitlement creates huge relational gaps. Let me ask you, have you ever told them how grateful you are for them? Have you ever thanked them? Well, they're supposed to. That's my mom. She's supposed to. That's my boss. They're supposed to. I deserve it. You deserve nothing, which means anytime someone does something for us, there is a sense in which we owe a debt of gratitude. Jesus says, where are the other nine? Something is missing. Something is incomplete. Something is unfinished. And every time we leave it unfinished by not expressing gratitude, we create a gap in the relationship. And the longer that gap stays open, the more it hurts the relationship. Which means we can ingratitude a wife, a husband, a kid, a parent, a friend, a boss, an employee, a pastor, right out of our life. 
That's why it's not enough to feel it. You've got to express it. You and I have got to figure out a way to get the gratitude inside of us out to them, to the people that we are grateful for. You and I must, because express gratitude closes the relational gap that ingratitude creates. Furthermore, uh, uh, gratitude and ingratitude impacts other people. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude to people, whether we mean for it to or not. When people who should know that we are grateful don't know that we are, it hurts them. It empties their bucket. It makes them feel unseen, unimportant. Some senses it makes them feel used and unloved and worthless. And we don't want people to feel like that, especially the ones that we feel grateful for. And the only way for that not to happen is by getting the gratitude inside of us out to them. Finally, gratitude and ingratitude impacts our relationship with, therefore, our experience of God. As we saw with the one who went back to Jesus, expressing gratitude to God impacts our experience of God. My oldest daughter, Grace, uh, this was a few months ago, six, I don't know, six months ago, she had a pretty big repair that needed done on her car. It's going to cost about 3000 bucks, And she owns this car. She bought this car. This is her car. She's responsible for this car. I'm, it's not my car. I'm not responsible for this car. But I know that she does not have $3,000 to fix that car. Now, $3,000 is a lot of money to me, so it's especially a lot of money to her. She's 17 years old. And so I thought, you know what? I'm her dad. I love her. I am going to fix this car for her. She's going to love me for it. And so I did. I spent almost $3,000 fixing this little Jeep Liberty there, or Jeep Compass that ain't worth $3,000. <laughs> Got it back to the house, and I'm jacked up. I get it back to the house. I go park it up front, and, and I go inside. I think this kid is going to be praising me for all that I did for her. And I go up to her room, and I say, hey, Grace, car's down. Car, it's in front. Car's all fixed. And she goes, <laughs> she gave me two thumbs up. I closed that door, and I was mad as a hornet. I mean, I was so mad, and I'm walking down the stairs. I'm like, I'm never fixing that kid's car again. That kid ain't never getting a penny out of me again. She's fixing her own car every day from this point forward, and I'll see how she likes that. A little while later, she came down, and she walked up to me. She said, Dad, thank you so much. She gave me a huge hug and thanked me. She must have just been busy with the thumbs up thing. I don't know. But she came. Maybe her mom talked to her. I don't know. But she came down, thanked me, gave me a huge hug. Now, in that moment, what do you think that did to my heart? I'm like, I'm paying for every car repair from this point forward. I'm going to keep paying for all these car repairs. Like, it melted my heart. Now, listen, if you don't have kids, you won't understand this. And if you are a kid, you especially need to listen to this. My kids don't deserve anything. Which is why as their father, I love to give them things. I love it because they deserve nothing. But listen, when my kids don't express gratitude, when my kids don't express gratitude, it does not want to make me want to give them more. It actually wants to make me give them less. Because it communicates entitlement. 
But when they express gratitude to me for what they didn't deserve as their dad, I can't wait to give them more. Now listen, if you heard nothing else I say, hear this. Why would it be any different with our heavenly father? He has given us so much we do not deserve. And if you're a follower of Christ, if you've put your faith in Jesus, if you've asked Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and a leader of your life, he's given you salvation, redemption, forgiveness, eternal life that you do not deserve. And listen to your and my prayers. All we do is keep asking for more and more and more and more. And we don't even express the gratitude for what we've already received that we don't deserve. Do you think that moves God's heart, our heavenly Father's heart, to want to give us more? Dads, would it move your heart if your kids did that to you? I believe our Heavenly Father wants to give us so much more of what only He can give. And I believe He wants to give it to the people who are expressing their gratitude and praising Him for what He's already given to them that they know they do not deserve. Expressing gratitude to God impacts our relationship with God, therefore our experience of God, because express gratitude not only communicates faith in God, as we just saw in the story, but it also helps us grow our faith, and our trust, and our confidence in God. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. It's not enough to feel grateful. You've got to express it. It's not enough to feel it like the nine. You've got to express it like the one. And listen, if you don't, if you don't feel grateful, if you don't feel grateful to others, if you don't feel grateful to God, or if it's hard for you to express your gratitude, you need to ask yourself why. And as you ask yourself, you need to know that ingratitude may indicate an inflated view of self. It may indicate pride. Pride tells us we deserve more, so we don't recognize what we have to be grateful for. Pride, And as pride grows, the more entitled we become. And the more entitled we become, the more self-centered we become. And self-centeredness will lead to nothing but frustration and anger and blaming others and blaming God. And sooner you're going to be isolated from others and isolated from God. you got to kill that pride before that pride kills you. And a primary way to kill it is by expressing gratitude. Listen. The more you feel like you deserve, the more pride you have, and the less grateful you'll feel. The less grateful you'll feel, the more gratitude, the less grateful you feel, the more gratitude you especially need to exp- express because of how gratitude and ingratitude impacts your perspective, impacts your relationships, impacts other people, and impacts your experience of God. Listen, there is such a big difference between feeling grateful and expressing gratitude. And many times we won't feel it until we express it. So don't let your bad attitude spoil your gratitude. That's the big idea being taught across the hall in relevant kids today. And that's the big idea that some of us need to apply today. So, are you like the one? Are you like the one who went back? Or are you like the nine? I mean, don't you want to be the one like the one and not like the nine? 
If so, you've got to know that being a grateful person is not a once in a year on Thanksgiving thing. It's not an every once in a while thing. It's an everyday thing. An everyday thing that will not happen by accident. So to help, help us move toward that, I want to leave you with two questions to ask and respond to every single day. Every single day. And the first question to ask every single day is this. Who are you grateful for? Who are you taking for granted? Who do you owe a debt of gratitude to? Who do you feel grateful for, but they need to see it with your behavior and hear it with your lips? Who has given you something you don't deserve? Ask that question every single day, and whoever comes to your mind, express your gratitude to them today. Be like the one, not like the nine. Express it in whatever way you need to express it. Write them a card, write a text, a call, tell them over dinner. Walk over to their desk in the office and tell them. Because unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Here's the second question to ask every single day. What are you grateful to God for? What are you grateful to God for? This will be very easy for some of us. This will be harder for others. And by the way, one of the reasons it might be hard for some of us is because we're so focused on what we think we deserve, what we think he could do but hasn't done for us. And let me just tell you this. This is so important. The cross was enough. The cross was enough. If God never did one other thing for us, if he never gave us one other thing, the cross was enough. The salvation and the forgiveness and the redemption and the reconciliation and the eternal life that was offered to us on the cross was enough. Listen, and if you don't believe that, you haven't realized the bigness of your sin and understand the bigness of your sin and what Jesus did for you that you do not deserve. That's what we have to be grateful for, if nothing else. So every day, I encourage you to identify what you're grateful to God for, God for, and then praise God today by expressing your gratitude to him, because unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Something I challenge every follower of Christ to do every single day to grow in a relationship with Jesus is to pray. And when you pray, I encourage you to change the way you pray. Instead of starting with all the things you want and all the asks, and all the things you think you deserve, instead of starting there, always start with praising God first. Always start with God, here's what I'm grateful to you for today. This is one of the most powerful things you can pray. Because when we start praying like this, well, prayer starts to change us. We're going to end very differently today than the, the way we always end. Today... We're going to spend a few minutes praising God by singing together. And as we do, I just want to invite you and encourage you to let this be a time to truly express your gratitude to God. But before we do, let me ask you one final time. Are you a grateful or ungrateful person? Let's be like the one and not like the nine. And remember, unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Dear Lord, I just praise you and thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us on the cross, for the salvation, for the forgiveness, for the redemption, for the reconciliation, for the eternal life that you've offered us through your death and resurrection. And you've given us so many things to praise you for, but today we praise you and we thank you ultimately for that.
Lord, for any person who's never put their faith in you, Jesus, as we talked about earlier, if, if in this moment they feel a stirring to do that, they feel a stirring to accept your love, your grace, your forgiveness, your mercy for them, I pray that in this moment they choose to do that, that quietly where they are in this room or at home, Lord, they, de- they confess their need for a Savior because of their sin. Right now they declare, Jesus, they believe you are that Savior because of your death and resurrection. And right now they ask you to be your, their Savior. Right now, they they put their faith in you, asking you to be the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their life. They declare right now they want to follow you as their Lord and as their God. Lord, as we get ready to just praise you for a couple minutes, I pray you are truly glorified, not just by the words that we sing, but by the condition of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.